Once there was a time when all the elements of earth, sea, and sky lived on the land together in many, many villages. Many years ago, back in the old country, there lived a holy, sweet couple who loved each other so very much. A long time ago, in a village, somewhere in Tamil Nadu, there lived a monkey. There was once a man, tall and handsome, who met a, a woman, beautiful and elegant, and they fell in love with each other. Once upon a time and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. We might all be on the brink of disaster at any moment. The cocoa in the cupboard could run out. Your shoes could start squeaking when walking in the library. The baby you wanted to hold for just a little bit because it was so cute may start crying like a banshee and make you feel like a failure. But then things can change. You discover the cocoa is still half full. The library is carpeted. And the cute baby? Well, it just needed a diaper change. There are stories where disaster was sure to happen, and yet... Dara Kothari, a storyteller from India, tells a story about lives that change fortunes. The story I'm going to tell you is from the stables of Chinese stories. A very, very long time ago, in the land of Jambu Dweep, there was a city called Kamalpur. The king of that city was named Saharaksa. One day, in the king's court came an astrologer. The king asked the astrologer if he knew what was going to happen in the future. The astrologer did not say a word. The king asked him a second time. He told the king, A severe famine is going to break out and it will wipe out the entire city. The king did not like what he heard. He called his ministers and asked them to work out a plan where they could save the people. The minister suggested that they should buy as much grain as possible. The king emptied his treasury and brought as much grain as he could. He stored the grain for bad days to come. Later, in the month of Ashad, which is the monsoon month of June-July, the sky was covered by dark clouds. The king looked up at the sky and thought it would rain. These and subsequently other clouds brought enough rain for people to grow good crop. In a way, the king was happy for the people, but at the same time he was puzzled. Why the astrologer's forecast turned out to be so wrong? A few days later, the king's gardener came to the king with a message. The message was that a giant monk would like to stay in his royal park for the period of monsoon. The monk was a Keval Jnani, or the Omniscient, one who knows the past, present and the future, all at the same time. The king rewarded the gardener for the message and asked the people of the city to welcome the sage. The king went to visit the monk and listened to his holy words. The king then asked him, How could the words of the astrologer prove to be false? 
the monk told the king, The famine was averted because of the birth of a pious soul in your city. The astrologer did not know that. The king asked him to tell about the previous life of this pious soul. The monk stated, In the land of Bharat, there was a city called Purimatal. In this city, there lived a rich man who suddenly became sick. He tried his best to improve his health but did not succeed. One day, he met a monk and after listening to the sermon, he decided to give up his regular diet and only eat simple foods cooked without any spices or salt. He also decided to meditate regularly. His health improved within a few days. His pledge grew stronger now, so he continued with his regime. Later on, the city experienced a famine and he used all his wealth to feed the people. This helped the people to survive the harsh famine. After he completed his life, he was reborn as a dev or a heavenly angel. And from there, he was reborn in your city as a son of Subhuti. The king was very happy to hear this. He went to Subhuti's house to pay respect to the pious soul. He saw this child and blessed him and gave him the name Dharmakumar or the prince or son of religion. When Dharmakumar grew up, he married a beautiful young, like-minded woman. And in his later years, Dharmakumar joined the holy order of Jain monks and after performing austerities and meditation, he too attained Gevalgnyan or the omniscience and thus his soul achieved liberation. I hope you did enjoy this ancient story brought to you by Kathakos. Do send in your feedback at kathakosa at gmail.com. Bye. The fairy tale sponsor for this podcast episode is fairest of them all facial products. Made with organic hopes, dreams, mouse livers, and eye of newt. These products will have your mirror cracking out of envy, and you will be the first chosen to dance with every prince at the ball. Fairest of them all facial products. No one will be fairer than you. There are practical ways to avoid bad luck. Don't walk under ladders. Things can fall on your head. Don't break mirrors. They are expensive. Listen to your mother when she says to wear a coat. She has had more time with the weather. But there's always something that you might not see coming, even when you have what you think is all the information. Claire Murphy, a storyteller from Northern Ireland who now resides in London, brings a story straight from the Irish legends when true warriors still recited poetry. Who knows of Fionn McCool? Those of you who don't, he was a tall, dashing, blonde, handsome fella. Sparkling blue eyes. And he inspired the kind of loyalty in his men that isn't seen anymore. His men were the Fina warriors of Ireland. And the Fina were an exceptional band of warriors. They were very strong, they were very graceful, they were very beautiful. But in order to become one of the Fina, you had to pass certain tests. You had to be able to run through the forest without breaking a twig or rustling a leaf. 
If you got a thorn in your foot, you had to pull it from your foot mid-stride, without breaking stride. You had to be able to leap over a branch as high as your shoulder and under a branch as low as your knee. You had to be able to leap over spears as tall as your body placed nine in a row. If you failed that test, you died. If you passed that test, you had to recite great tomes of poetry without missing a single word. That was just the entrance exam. Once you got in, you had to live wild for about six months of the year. You lived out, drinking from the rivers, killing the deer and the wild boar, and running up and down the mountains and whatnot, defending Ireland against any invaders. Now, Fionn McCool was captain of the Fianna from a very early age. And when they needed a bit of sport, a bit of recreation, the men would take all of their dogs and they would head out. And Fionn McCool had two exceptional dogs, Bran and Skjolon. Now, Bran and Skjolon were exceptional in a way that would take me about 25 minutes to tell you. They have their own story. But suffice to say, they were part other world, part dog. He always had them at his side. So one day they left the hill of Alma and they set out and they went hunting. And they were hunting all the long day across the bogs and over the beaches and up the mountains and they caught nothing. And the men were tired and the dogs were tired and they were dragging their tails and they turned back towards the hill of Almu and they began to walk up the long path when all of a sudden, out of a set of bushes, stepped a deer. And she stopped and she looked at all the men and all the dogs and ran off. And the dogs ran off after her. And the men picked up speed, got some energy, ran after the dogs. But one by one by one, the dogs fell back. Until finally the last two, Bran and Skjolan, came back to Fionn's side. So they're walking back. They had almost gotten something and then not. It was even worse. But the deer steps out again. This time she's but 100 feet from them. She stops. And this time she takes her slow while, eyeballing all the men. And all the dogs, and she runs off. The dogs run, the men run, but the only two that keep up with her are Bran and Skjolan. And Fionn finally catches up with them inside a clearing. Inside the forest, there's a clearing. And he sees the deer is in the middle of the clearing. And Bran and Skjolan are running around her like two little puppies. And he's he's trying to make sense of this. Why they haven't killed her, why they're, they're acknowledging her, when all the other dogs come running in. And Bran and Skjolan stand guard. So all the men come in and they're looking at this and saying, well, what's going on here? And Fionn says, I've, I've been trying to figure that out, but I, I, I think she, that deer, is trying to get into my house. And Gull McMorna, the one-eyed wonder of the Fianna, he only had the one eye and loads of scars. He said, you think the hunted is trying to get into the house of the hunter? Are you mad? And that was when the deer started to saunter up the path towards the hill of Almu. The two dogs at her flank, the rest of the dogs behind, the men behind them. So when the gate was pulled back, the deer was the first one across the threshold. So the men went in, the long table was set for dinner and they were all sat there. The deer was curled up by the fire. Bran and Skjolan curled up beside her, protecting her. And Fionn's eating his dinner, trying to figure this out. But as his belly fills... And he gets tired with the heat of the fire on his face. He thinks, I'll figure it out tomorrow. Gets up, goes to bed. He's deep in sleep when something enters the room. And he wakes up immediately. He looks up and standing in the doorway 
is the most beautiful woman he has ever seen. She was just, you know, lovely with the long midnight black hair and the sparkling smoldering eyes and moonlight bouncing off her skin. And Fionn is trying to wake up and he just says the first thing he can think of. You're not from around here. (laughs) No, but I was made very welcome this afternoon. What? No, no, I've, I've, I've never, never seen you before. Well, let me tell you this, Fionn. When I entered your house, I entered in on four legs, not on two. Oh, you mean the deer? Oh, 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 this is a dream. Oh, no, it's a dream and you're so gorgeous. I will get to see you tomorrow. Fionn McCool, this is no dream. When she used his whole name, he was wide awake. She said, I am not of your race. I am of another race called the Tua de Danon. And in my world, there was a druid who tried to force his love upon me. When I refused him, he hit me with the hazel rod and he turned me into a deer and bade me ever to follow in his footsteps. Ever I had to walk behind him until one day a servant of his whispered in my ear that if I could but find refuge inside the house of Fionn McCool, I would be transformed back. So I have waited and I have watched and today was that day. And that is how I ended up here. Well, Fionn is now wide awake. He stands up and he says, well, you can stay as long as you like. And no man will ever try to force his love or any kind of love upon you. Thank you, she says. And she turns to go. And as she's walking out of the room, he says, wait, 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 wait. Who are you? What's your name? She says, oh, that. Well, my language is very different from yours. I don't think you could say it. But it's something like Sive. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. But she was already walking. Good night, Lady Sive. See you tomorrow. And he sat up all night. And when the first light of dawn came in, he was up and he was pacing the entire fort. And he was waiting to see if she was real. And she got up and she came out into the light of day. And his heart swelled. And he, can I, can I get you anything? Breakfast? Little dead goat? No, nothing? All right. It's over there if you need it. And he checked on her later that day. And he checked on her again and again, and again, and the days turned into weeks. And after about three weeks, he realized that he was in love. And there were rules for the Fina. There were very strict rules on how you treated a woman. And when you knew your own feelings for her, you had to act on them. So Fionn McCool knew what he had to do. He steadied himself. And he presented himself at the door of her bedroom that night. And she opened the door and she looked magnificent as always. Lady Sive, I was, uh, <clears throat> I, was <clears throat> I was wondering if you'd like to raise the bride cup with me. Fionn McCool, on the day that I came here, did you not say that no man would ever try to force his love or any bond of love upon me? So that'd be a no then, would it? (laughs) And she said, Fionn McCool, my answer to you is this. I would go anywhere in the three worlds with you and nowhere in the three worlds without you. And she took the cup and she drank and he drank 
And that night they were married. (laughs) Can I get an amen? They woke the next day. There was joy pouring from them. Their eyes were sparkling. She sashayed when she walked. He cavorted and gambled around like a lamb. And you know, it's not really fitting, is it, for the the captain of the Fianna to be doing such things. And he seemed to always be in her thrall. He seemed to always have his arms around her or be kissing her. You know what it's like when one of your friends falls in love? You know, and it, it gets a little uncomfortable for everybody else, you know. And it was like that for the rest of the Fianna. They could be seen standing around the halls. Have you, uh, have you seen Fiona out hunting lately? No, no. Haven't seen him pick up a weapon. Not in ages. No, he hasn't killed anything in weeks. No. But finally, the honeymoon had to end because the the call came that the Fina were needed. The Lachlan Raiders sailing down from the north. Their great black sails had been spotted. They were headed for Dublin Bay. And so Fionn, he went, he started to get all his armour on and get all his weapons. And Saif came in. What are you doing? He said, well, the Fina have been called. We have to go to war. We have to fight the Lachlan Raiders. It's only down in Dublin. I'll be back in no time. No... Fionn, we're only newly married and I, Fina can fight without you. What? I, thought, I am the captain of the Fina. An army without its captain is it's like a body without a head. I have to go. And he saw her face. It was just full of sadness. And he said, listen, don't be worrying, McCream, a store. Don't worry about any of this. I will go. I will come back. It'll be no time. You stand and watch me on the ramparts. By the time you're done singing your few songs to keep yourself company, I'll be back but I have to go. She kissed him goodbye and away he went. And he had Bran and Skjolan at his side and the Fina warriors behind him and the rest of the Fina marched down from the north, up from the south. They all marched east, up over the Dublin mountains. As they crested the mountains, they saw the huge black sails. They saw the Lachlan raiders coming in to Dublin Bay and they ran down to meet them. And they had their shields and their swords and they skewered and they cut and they laid waste to the Lachlan raiders. They left a few alive, they took a few captive and one or two they sent back to Lachlan, what we now call Norway. We told them never to mess with Ireland again. They've taken that quite seriously. We haven't seen them since. (laughs) So when they were done, Fionn, he was the fastest of all to finish with the battle. Seven days had passed, seven nights had passed. He turned, he left the men to do the cleaning up, to do the burying and he ran home. He ran with every ounce of strength in his body. He ran with Brown and Skjold on his side. He ran towards the hill of Alamo. He ran to see Sai waiting for him. That was what he waited for, to see her lovely face again. And when he could see Alamo, there was no one standing, watching. He got right up to the gate. It was pulled back. His, his guard was there and he said, where's, where's my wife? And the guard looked down, wouldn't look Fionn in the eye and he grabbed him and said, where's the lady Sai? And the guard said, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Fionn, but three days after you left, she was standing as you had asked, she was watching for you, and you appeared. Looked just like you. Bran and Skjolon at your side. Looked just like them, right down to the three white hairs on Skjolon's tail. And so she ran out of the gate. We, we asked her to stop. We said we'd go with her. We went to grab weapons, but she was too fast. She went out the gate. She ran down towards you and she stopped right before you and she screamed. And as she screamed, you changed. You turned into this tall, dark druid. 
And he took out a stick and he hit her upon the shoulder. And by the time we got there, they were gone. I'm sorry, Fionn, but she's gone. And Fionn, he hid his face in his hands. He spent a night and a day inside his room. And then he left. He walked the hills, the mountains. He walked the bogs and the beaches. He walked every corner of that island looking for her. And for seven years, nobody was allowed to hunt deer. And the deer got so tame, they were sitting around people's gardens, eating the the bushes and the grasses. Warriors couldn't touch him. And after seven years, Fionn had to accept this was it. This was the end. He had not found her. She was gone. He lifted the ban on hunting and all the warriors said, come on, let's go out. Let's do something to to lift your spirits. Let's go kill something. (laughs) So Fionn and all the warriors, they headed out. And they caught nothing. But Bran and Skjolon rushed into the forest. They wouldn't come when he called. And he called them again and they wouldn't come. And finally he had to go in after them. And he reached a clearing. And in the clearing, he saw Bran and Skjolon running around a little naked, black-haired boy. And when he tried to talk to the boy, the boy didn't understand him. So he just called him. And the little boy just walked towards him, took Fionn's hand and walked with him all the way back up to the hill of Almu. When they got him inside, they tried to wrap clothes around him. He tore them off. When they gave him food, he sat under the table and he ate the food with the dogs. But little by little by little, he learned their language. And after a year, he was able to tell his story. The first thing I remember was a deer. She kept me warm. She suckled me. She showed me what berries to eat. We stayed in a cave. Once in a while, a tall, dark man would come and he would have a stick in his hand and she would always shy away from him. And sometimes he would talk to her, sometimes he would sing to her, sometimes he would shout at her, but she never went towards him. One day he came, he spent all the long day, all the long night, and he screamed and he cried and he sang and he told stories and jokes and songs, and she never moved towards him until finally he hit her with a stick and she moved after him. She was forced to, her legs were forced to move after him, and I tried to follow her, but I was paralyzed. I couldn't move at all. And when they disappeared from my sight... That was when the ground under me changed. I found myself standing in the clearing with your two dogs around me. And it was in that moment Fionn realized that this was his son. This was his son with Sive. And he called him Ushin. Ushin, which means little deer. And as for what happened to the lady Sive, we still don't know the end of that story. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show notes and more information about the storytellers you heard today can be found at storystorypodcast.com forward slash episode 16. Show the love. Find Dara Kothari and Claire Murphy on Facebook. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. In fairy tales, the magic number is three. So I have three things for you to do. One, like and rate the show on iTunes. It helps others find the podcast. Thank you to D77C, who left a lovely review for the podcast on iTunes. Two, join the mailing list. You will get a link to the podcast delivered to your inbox, plus other news and other storytelling-related goodness. Three, consider becoming a supporter. For as little as $4 a month, you help support the podcast and get a story story short, which is just what it sounds like. A story 
often recorded by the storyteller just for the patrons. The short for this episode is a story about a protective mother. The story is called A Second Language and is told by Oni Lasana, a storyteller from Philadelphia. You can find out how to support the podcast and join the mailing list at storystorypodcast.com. And a huge thank you to the ongoing supporters. If you would like to stay connected, you can find me and the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. I post a visual for every fairy tale sponsor. So pop on over to the Facebook page and see what I posted for fairest of them all facial products. Let me know the favorite story you've heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. Next podcast, I have stories of danger, romance, and the insects who bring gifts to our world. I hope you'll join me again, and until then, live happily ever after. The wedding lasted for seven days. I know. I was there. I would cross 27 countries, wear out three pairs of boots, battle two giants, and the grandmother of all witches, Baba Yaga, before I was reunited with my frog princess. But that's a story for another time. The last thing he said before he died was a curse on anyone who would dare to go sing with the fairies. Just because a story is strange, mistake. It can also be true.